0: Welcome to CTSNet To Go, bringing your discussions about the most relevant topics in cardiothoracic surgery. The Cardiothoracic Surgery Network, known as CTSNet, aims to connect the global cardiothoracic surgical community through communication, collaboration, education, and interaction among cardiothoracic surgeons and their teams across the globe. Learn more at ctsnet.org. My name is Shanda Blackman, and I'm just one of the hosts of CTSNet2Go. We hope you enjoy.
1: Welcome to this interview with CTSNet at the STS in Phoenix. My name's Joel Dunning, and I'm delighted to be joined by Emily Farkas. Thank you for joining us. You. You're a cardiac surgeon at Wisconsin, having trained at Chicago Medical School in Yale. And, uh, and in your day job, uh, you're a cardiac and pediatric surgeon, but you have a a, a secret special uh, uh, moonlighting activity. But maybe just first of all, before we talk about that, could you just tell us what you do in your normal daily job uh, in Wisconsin?
2: Sure. So I, I'm mainly an adult cardiac surgeon, so operating on the full spectrum of adult cardiac pathologies and um, trying to stay active and relevant with the new technologies, TAVR and so forth and things that are coming up and important in our country. But for my extracurricular activities, it's a bit of a different picture.
1: Yeah, so tell us about what you do when you're not there.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I've uh, found a, a way uh, to craft my career so that I can spend as much time as possible doing humanitarian work. It's been an important focus for me. I kind of feel like it's the way my professional and personal fulfillment can overlap. And, and so I, I've been able to uh, partner with organizations that uh, have a history of doing heart surgery in this capacity overseas and be able to take a trip every six to eight weeks in different countries to be able to provide free heart surgery for kids and adults where the need's the greatest.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And so tell us about your last trip. I believe it was to Nepal.
2: It was, so uh, we were asked to help uh, initiate a heart surgery program at Kathmandu University. You know, Nepal's a country of 30 million and they have two places in the country where heart surgery can be done. And so there was a request for us to develop this from the Minister of Health uh, with the group Cardiostart International, which is the non-profit organization responsible for it.
1: So just tell us about the logistics, I mean, how did they select patients, how did you get over there, And, and what's it like?
2: Yeah, so uh, in general we rely on, uh, we, we identify in, engaged individuals, physicians uh, regionally who are committed to starting this program with us so that they can identify patients who would be potential candidates. And they'll usually send ahead a, uh, a list of people that they're considering and we can provide feedback. And then when we arrive on site, we spend the first day evaluating those patients to see if they truly are surgical candidates and trying to decide how to allocate our resources best to who really needs the operation and who can potentially be delayed.
1: So maybe just give us a few examples of operations you actually did out there.
2: Yeah, so uh, rheumatic valvular disease is quite rampant uh, in many developing nations, of course, where rheumatic fever has been a problem uh, in the past. And so we see very young adults, you know, 18 to 25 years old, who have very aggressive rheumatic disease. Uh, terrible tricuspid mitral or aortic uh, pathology, very high uh, pulmonary hypertension and sort of end-stage problems. And uh, so those are the main operations that we do is valve repairs and valve replacements.
1: So, I mean, logistically, I mean, can you get valves out there or did you have to bring these?
2: We we did have to bring them. We've had very generous uh, relationships with uh different industry partners who will donate valves for our uh, missions and that's been really a key and integral part.
1: And and there's some very difficult decisions to make, aren't there? Young people needing sort of valves. How do you decide mechanical versus biological because <laughs> yeah. How do you look after warfarin in Nepal?
2: Yes, it's, a, it's absolutely it's one of the most difficult questions that we face. And so we rely heavily on the input from the local doctors who I mentioned before, so critical in this relationship. And they can give us the input about whether it's the best decision to uh, implant a mechanical valve in a young person.
1: So just tell us, what's a week like there? I mean, how busy is it? I mean, are you working all day and all night? Or uh, do you, you got three days off for the beach? It's pretty hard, <laughs> is it?
2: Well, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that, because I think some people would imagine that that might be the case, but it's actually quite an intense experience, as you can imagine, trying to perform something as um, as incredible as cardiopulmonary bypass in a place with low resources. And so, we uh, do as many operations as we can while we're there. We're often limited by things you might not think about, like how many beds there are to put patients in or how many ventilators they have. And so it usually ends up being one to two cases per day. And we try to operate, you know, even through the weekend or any time we can get to have the most impact in our short amount of time.
1: And so it's not just you that goes out, it's a whole team. Oh, how no. do you recruit yeah. these people and uh, how many people do you actually bring out?
2: Yeah, it's a, a very much a team effort. And uh, so we... Uh, recruit people from all over the world basically in the different specialties that can contribute to the care of the cardiac patient And but there's been some challenge to that in getting the word out and to uh, allow these individuals who want to contribute to know when a team is going to a certain location and how they can help
1: And I uh, suppose sort of funding wise presumably you know, there's, is there a charity that, that gets you out there and, uh, and things so, so if you say that you can contribute some time then then, then that sort. But uh, I doubt you get paid very much. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no. Uh, maybe uh, metaphorically, we're paid quite a lot in the rewards and fulfillment. But it's it's truly a volunteer experience. You pay for your own airfare, and and you give your time and your services um, fully.
1: And do you hear about the patients afterwards when you leave?
2: Yeah absolutely so and this is part of the the structure is not just to come in and then leave and and sort of not be involved so we identify those individuals who will take care of the patients after we leave and make sure that the channels of communication are open so we can assist them if there's something that's needed post-operatively and we uh, intend to return and we do return to these same places and as we progress the programs to the point where they can ideally be self-sustaining.
1: And uh, I suppose, thinking for myself, if I was going out there, I'd be kind of scared that there'd be some really bad, awful cases and things. I mean, do you have the power to turn people down? Because I suppose if they don't have you, they don't have anybody, do they?
2: Well, it's an excellent question, and another difficult challenge we face is, well, this may be their only chance, but we have to use sound judgment on who we really can help with the resources that we have and that's a difficult lesson to learn but it's one that's very important in that climate.
1: So I'm hoping there's lots of people watching this video that might be interested in coming to help so so do you have any advice of how people can sort of get involved and help or find find a suitable country to go and work?
2: In? Yes well you know I think one of the best resources is members of societies like the STS and so forth who have experience you know, with these um, charitable organizations and they are out there the organizations that are for nonprofit um, purposes to perform this surgery in other countries but we've been limited in how we can get the word out and so CTSNet is one way that we're really looking forward to being able to spread the word to our target uh, audience
1: Yeah, we're certainly going to try and uh, uh, sort of become that portal, we're going to try and uh, see if we can uh, have links to all these uh, these organizations and we're going to see if we can post uh, opportunities uh, on CTSnet so hopefully people at home will uh, keep an eye out and, uh, and maybe you'll get some, some volunteers to come and, and assist you at this amazing work. So, so that's hopefully a great project for the future sort of led and helped by yourself.
2: That would be fantastic. Dr Fullerton's presidential address was sort of a call to action for surgeons to become more involved in charitable work at the last STS meeting, and I, and I think it's the way to get people engaged.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming to talk to us, and also thank you very much from, from everybody really for your amazing work. It's Thanks certainly, so much. we should all go out and do something sometime, shouldn't we? <laughs> and you've done an amazing job. Thanks so much. So, thank you very much.
0: Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for listening to CTS net To go your resource for podcasts focusing on cardiothoracic surgery. Find more discussions as well as surgical videos and other cardiothoracic surgery resources at ctsnet.org. You can also keep up with CTSnet by subscribing to the YouTube channel at CTSnet Video, by following at ctsnet.org on Twitter, or by liking CTSnet's page on Facebook. I'm Shanda Blackman. Thank you for joining us on this latest episode of CTS Net To Go. Have a great day.